You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome to Talk Your Jits Podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a black belt who trains at Team Ruby Rubo Carioca. I know I was going to butcher his name. Located in Monroe, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, Vernon Kirk. How's it going today, Lamar? What's going on, sir? How are you doing today? Doing great. Fantastic. First and foremost, man, I would like to thank you for... Um, being on a, being on the episode, you are, uh, the first episode of season two and the first episode is being like recorded. So it's a lot of, a lot of new things going on right now. Looking forward to it, man. I appreciate having me on, man. The pleasure is all mine. So without further ado, if you want to give yourself a more thorough introduction, um, by all means, and let's hear about your, uh, jujitsu journey. All right. Well, um, like I said, Vernon Kirk. Um, I'm a black belt in BJJ. Actually, I'm getting my first degree Sunday. Um, and then I'm also a black belt in judo. Uh, I trained, uh, I got my black belt from Bushido Judo in Durham, North Carolina. And um, depending on, you know, I, I guess the, the I'm the uh, also the head of marketing for Southeastern Sambo Association. And Depending on how nationals go, I might be looking at my master of sport here relatively soon. Um, I started training in 2009 uh, in judo in June. Um, kind of a long story, but basically my son was five at the time and he's 19 now, but he, uh, okay. he wanted to do karate and I said, okay, cool. I, I actually took a lot of Taekwondo as a kid and I was like, yeah, that actually be pretty good for you. He'd done soccer at the beginning of the school year and he loved it. But like when game time come, came around, he was real shy. So like I couldn't mm-hmm. get him out on the field for games, but he had fun in practice and da da da. So I said, all right. And so I took him to this school, which is ironically, the location is now where my instructor is. He wasn't there at the time. It was a Taekwondo school, but now my instru- it's my instructor's school. Um, take him there and go through the first class. And it was like, you know, pay 20 bucks, get three classes and get a uniform. And he's five years old. And he's also like, he's pretty sorry. He's 19. He's five, seven. And on a heavy day, he's 117 pounds. Like he's never been a big kid. Right. <laughs> And he, boy. <laughs> yeah, he, he little, um, but he comes up and he kind of pull, you know, I'm talking to the instructor and he pulls on my leg and he goes, daddy, when do I get my karate uniform? And she real snotty looks at him and goes, it's a Taekwondo uniform. Now I understand there's a difference. I understand they come mm-hmm. from different parts of the world. I understand all this, but it's his first day and he's five. There's no mm-hmm. need for that. And I'm like, well, I'm never coming back here. And there was this other place in town I was about to take him to. And the next day was the last day of school. And I'm talking to one of the dads and he's like, don't go to that place. They're going to rip you off. They're going to try to pull you into a contract, blah, blah, blah. Come to this judo school with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Should be fun. And he goes through class and he has friends in the class because obviously, you know, the kid's dad, you know, his kids are in the class and, you know, one of the, his son was one of my son's best friends. So it worked out real well. And, you know, he, again, shy kid, but he was having a really good time. And I'm sitting there talking to the instructor, you know, Sensei Stokes afterwards, 
you know, I'm like, all right, you know, like how much, how many times a week, the standard questions parents always ask. Right. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, I'm like, all right, so next class tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow. And he goes, big guy, where are you going? Home, class is over. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm out of here. Like, you, right. He's like, well, you know, the adult class is starting, right? I'm like, you think my five-year-old's ready for the adult class? <laughs> He's like, get your big ass out of here. I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, I'm also probably about 290 pounds at the time. Okay. And like, I am a fat fuck. I have no other way to put it. And um, so, I, look, I, as heavy as I was, I was a fairly decent athlete back in the day. I, played D3 college football. Um, I wrestled a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I have, I, I, I'm, you know, not the most athletic guy on planet earth, but I got a little bit to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'll do this for a month. I'll do it for a month, let him get acclimated. And then dad will fade off into the background. Two months later, we're competing. Um, six months later, I'm cross training with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Five years later, I had a black belt in judo. Six years later, I was opening my own school. So that month kind of took a little bit of an extended vacation. But um, Yeah, I see. <laughs> um, but I just, I fell in love. And mm-hmm. I, so, you know, I was doing judo. And I, a lot of the guys who were like around my age, around my size, that I could now take down pretty regularly and I could dominate on the feet when we'd hit the ground, they'd beat the brakes off me. And I'm like, well, how are you that much better than me on the ground? And they mm-hmm. go, oh, well, we go to this Brazilian jiu-jitsu school in Mebane, which is like, we were actually driving like 10 miles or so to the next town to take judo. And I lived in Mebane and I was like, what? Take me. So I right, jumped to go. class and it was December and I just started a new job and I'd actually been out of work from like March till then because I'd lost my job when the economy crashed and it was, you know, this is no nine when things were just nuts with the housing bubble. And mm-hmm. so I walk in, I take a trial class and I look at, you know, Professor Hubao and I'm like, hey, um, I really had a good time. Um, I'm waiting to get paid. When I get paid, I'll be back. And he, you know, just I, like, like as somebody who's taught martial arts, you get to the point where you realize a lot of times when somebody says that, they're just kissing you off and they just don't have the balls yeah. to say I didn't like it. And I'm like... No, I really meant that shit. I just, you know, it was Christmas, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was back in January. He looks at me when I walked in the door. He goes, oh, you're back. And I'm like, well, I told you I was going to be back. Like, where's the surprise? Not knowing at the time, obviously, still a white belt. And I've been with Professor Hubao ever since. And so I just, you know, it was one of those things where I just did it. It just a lot of it was the routine of it. You know, I had a job mm-hmm. where I, uh, you know, it was very kind of nine to five ish, even though I had to travel some for, you know, work and I'd get home, I'd, you know, hang out with the kids a little bit and pack my bag and usually take my son with me. And I started taking my daughter with me for a little bit as well too. And um, I just kind of really, really got into it. And so I, I just, I, Every day, you know, it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday was jitsu. Tuesday, Thursday was judo. Saturdays, if I wasn't competing, I we definitely had a judo class every Saturday. So I'd go to the judo class. And then every now and like probably once or twice a month, Ruben would have what he called nogi. Because we never did nogi. Mm-hmm. And nogi was essentially he'd dream up some nasty workout. Like, 
you know, he'd have like kettlebells and weights out, or he'd have this thing where he'd start like a minute timer. And like, we had like 3000 square feet of mat space. So you'd be jogging around the gym and you'd have boxing gloves on. And whenever like, you know, the minute would ding, one person would go into the center and he'd be holding mitts and you'd have to be throwing combos at the mitts. And we'd do that until we were dying. And then we'd roll no gi. And that was our no gi days. <laughs> and so I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was just doing that and I just slowly, slowly got into it. And in uh, 2014, I tested for my black belt in judo and I got that. And then um, the year, actually in 2013, at the end of 2013, I got my purple belt in BJJ and my instructor who, you know, was an older gentleman looked at me and goes, okay, Bruno. You purple belt now, so um, you run my kids' program. Like, you have a kids' program? No, but you're going to start it. I'm like, so we do now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, you know, my first student was my son, and I, you know, I ran his kids' program for a little while, and then in uh, 2015, I was kind of sick of the company I was working for, and we were. So my instructor, my friend John, and I had you know, we did a lot of like, um, you know, help him run his gym and kind of helped him build up his network and things like that. And uh, we get this email from a guy down in Monroe who owns a CrossFit gym. And he goes, mm -hmm. I got your name from a friend of mine. There's a friend of professors named Rafael who owned and like, like, you know, had an affiliation in like Louisiana, Mississippi, and had a bunch of schools underneath him. And he always bought his t-shirts from this guy rodney and monroe who i mean the guy's got a business where he prints like twenty thousand t-shirts a day and mm -hmm. he goes hey i've got this big crossfit gym and uh i think you know some of that space could probably be used for something like jitsu do you have somebody who'd be interested and he goes well i don't you have anybody up that way but if you're talking to anybody in north carolina you talk to hubao so he reaches out to hubao i of course email and I start talking to Rodney and I was talking to a friend of mine one day and I'm trying to figure out my life and I go actually it was a therapist if I'm being completely honest about it I'm talking to my therapist and I'm like and I, I forgot how we got on that subject and she goes well, why don't you do that right. I can't do that why not why are you gonna be asking me all these hard questions what's wrong with you <laughs> so I took the plunge and I'm trying I to get all personal here. exactly <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just started doing this. And, you know, I, you know I, I've always had to keep a nine to five and actually shut my school down last year to pursue some other stuff in my career. But I, I now, you know, I kind of like float between like three gyms around me where like I'll help teach and I'll just go train and I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, but for me, this is all like, I really enjoy the kind of, I like, I enjoy teaching, running a school on a day-to-day -day basis drives me insane. And when you're trying to do, you know, a full-time job and you got kids, it's just, it's a little bit much. So I don't, I said, you know, I'm going to take a break from this for a little while. And if I ever decide to go back into it, I will. And if not, I'm just going to keep training and having fun. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, and then like, but, uh, I mean, yeah, if, like, I'm, I'm, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say the only thing like is Sambo and um in twenty eighteen a friend of mine who you know, he was starting to kind of get into the whole Sambo thing and he had done some competition in it and he was 
hosting an event and he wanted to have some Sambo in it. And he goes, I don't know who to talk to. And I, I didn't really know anybody, but I had Facebook friends within the Sambo community. I'm like, well, there's this person, this person, let me put you in this group. And he reaches back out to me and he's like, dude, thank you. Come compete. It's on me. Like you've been a huge help. That was the spur I needed. And that was 2018. And then went to an event of his in 2020. And it was his first sanctioned event with USA Sambo. And then the guys at USA Sambo actually invited my son to go compete in Russia. Uh, he was 17 at the time. And unfortunately, COVID hit and his event got canceled. But then I got to go to Masters Worlds in Belarus that year, which was oh, a lot wow. of fun. Yeah. Man, that's, that's awesome. Yep. But um, yeah, my... Yeah, my journey, like, well, teaching uh, rather kind of started the yeah. same way. Uh, you know, I've been training at H2O for it'd be six years in May, April, okay. one or two. So it was coming up, it's coming up on six years. You know, been training there. And then, you know, he had kids' class. So I would go, I would just be up there to assist and whatnot. And then when I got to Bluebell, he was like, uh, How you feel about teaching kids' class? I'm like, sure you know it's more jujitsu that's how i saw it yep. and then you know i blinked and i've been a you know assistant instructor for like the past like three four years you know still doing <laughs> kids class um you know doing some adults class and then eventually you know we're trying to do more classes so you know something else i'm gonna try to pursue so i'm i'm deep in it man like deep deep uh, in it it's i mean that's a, you get better teaching like yeah i yeah it, like in, to be honest, and this happens to a lot of guys, right? Like mm -hmm. um, when I left and I moved down to Charlotte in 2015, I really like, I'm, I've always been under my instructor and I go home and see him as much as I can. I have other friends who are black belts and, you know, I will come to them with problems and they'll come to me with problems and all that stuff. But like, I haven't been in a gym, like restrict, you know, receiving instruction on a regular basis since I was a purple belt, really. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of my improvement has happened because I'm teaching like the video, I did a video for BJJ fanatics and it's on. So like, mm -hmm. I would, I would say people like, once you get, unless you're like a bigger dude, once you get past about blue belt, you're not really going to finish people from side control anymore. It's just not going to happen. So if you're going to, you know, be a top player, which, you know, judo, I, I, I want to be on top. And mm -hmm. you, you're not going to do very well finishing people from side control. So you need to find other ways. Well, my two places I finish people the most are either North, South or Casey Katami. Like I just, my North, South Kimura, you know, I, there's a couple of people I can thank for that. And then that dinky little arm bar from Casey Katami, I catch a lot of people with because I do it a little bit differently. And I always have. Mm -hmm. And I remember teaching a class and I'd probably had my school for maybe a year at that point. Yeah. Cause I was in the second location. So it was more than a year. It was, you know, cause I moved at about the year mark. And one of my guys goes, how do you do that? I'm like, well, I just showed you like, yeah, but how do you do that? And I'm like, how do I do that? Um, <laughs> so I actually had them film me. And I went back and I watched all the little movements I was doing to figure it out. And I mm -hmm. was like, oh, that's really kind of slick. And because, and so not only was I now teaching them that, but then it was allowing me to improve upon it because 
I wasn't just reacting. I was actually having time to break down my movements and say like, okay, well, if I do it this way, this is a little bit more efficient. This is a little bit faster. This is this, this is that. And I, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of those moves where it's like, I'll be at a gym, you know, especially like when I was like a purple belt or a brown belt and they'd see me do it to like a white belt or a blue belt. And the instructor is like, you're not going to get that shit on me. And then I'll, you know, I'll hit them with it. And they were like, how the fuck did you do that? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, like there's the thing that's, that makes jitsu beautiful is like, I, I, in a lot of ways, I kind of like, I've, I have competed in just about every grappling rule set I can think of that's, you know, outside of like Mongolian belt wrestling or something like that. But like I have done, you know, I wrestled in high school, which is folk style. I've done, I did freestyling Greco tournaments back then. Um, I have named the rule set in jujitsu. I have done it. Um, IBJJF, ADCC, sub only, EBI, you know, all of these things. Oh, wow. um, I've done you know, Sambo, I, the only thing I haven't done is catch wrestling. And I'm actually talking with Josh Duke about trying to get a match down in Florida for that. Cause I just, I want to have them all on my damn list, you know, might as well. And, right. Exactly. You know, you, and <laughs> the thing is, it's like, people get so like, I see it all the time where guys are like, that doesn't work. Why? Well, mm -hmm. nobody else does it. So what? Like the best way I've ever heard technique put, when it comes to like, you know, when people say low percentage technique was actually by the comedian, Daniel Tosh. And he has this mm -hmm. bit where he talks about how Andy Wal Andy Warhol says, you know, everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame. And he goes, it's, but that's not aggregate. It's not like everybody in this room gets 15 minutes. He goes, it's an average. So it's like zero, zero, zero. Then he points to himself 23 years, zero, zero, zero. Right. And that's kind of how it is with, certain techniques right like yeah nobody else and it and it might just it might be that i've just got something weird with how i move that makes that technique work really well or it just yeah. might be that for whatever reason it clicked with me mentally so now i can do it repeatedly or you know whatever the case may be but it doesn't mean that it's a low percentage technique for me it just means it's a low percentage technique for a lot of people for a lot and, of other people, right. Right. And like, I don't view case Gatami as a low percentage technique. I do view it as a low percentage technique in jiu-jitsu and not because jiu-jitsu is better at defending it, but it, I view it as a low percentage technique in jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu doesn't teach you how to do it properly anymore. Like, um, it's the most popular pin in judo. It's one of the best pins you can get in wrestling or samba. Like, but all of a sudden in jitsu, because jitsu is so special, it loses its magic. Like, I, I, I don't believe that. Like, because you, I you don't see, yeah, you don't see a lot of people play from that position. It's usually, right. as you know, as a transition. So, right. Well, right. I mean, again, like, if I'm just trying to strictly pin you, Case mm -hmm. Katami is great, but you're not trying to just strictly pin somebody and be judging. So, like, the way I attack out of Case Katami is, I do it through the transition to Case Gatami, right? But I also okay. know that if I get to Case Gatami, I'm going to be able to hold you better than most BJJ guys will because of the judo and the wrestling. And then worst case scenario, like if you start to get out of it, I know how to bail out of the technique and keep top position instead of giving up my back or something like that. And it's because, again, I, I cross-train. I think so many people get like – 
you know, I know there's a lot of no, like the funny thing is like you hear all the no-gi guys say, well, you don't need gi to be successful in no-gi. I'm, I don't want to disagree, but I am a little bit because it goes like this. Gordon Ryan started off in the gi. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. he did, you know, at least for the first year or two, he was in the gi probably a decent a bit. You know, I know he doesn't really touch it anymore and that's fine. And again, cool. But name a guy, you know, if you want to put Gordon Ryan as a strictly no gi guy, cool. Okay. Name a guy that's won ADCC that has only been a no gi guy who doesn't have a good resume in the gi or at least a decent resume in the gi. Jeff Monson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I mean, a lot of them come from a gi background. And I'm not saying the gi is the end all be all. I, I like the gi better. It's just, I'm better at it. Like, I'll probably, right. my gi record's decent. My no gi record's abysmal. I'll be the first to tell you. Like, again, so I'm, I'm the actual complete opposite of what I'm stating here. But um, I think the, the way you learn how to slow it down and control it is very important. And having that friction in the beginning, I think, is very helpful. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you're trying to train for ADCC, and you've got a good base of jiu-jitsu underneath you. Do you need to put the gi on? No, probably not. You know, to train mm-hmm. MMA, do you need to put a gi on? No. You know, like no. I, I'll fully agree with you on those fronts. But my thing is, like, you know, there's some guys where it's like all I do is IBJJF. Like that's all you see them at is like they go to like every IBJJF event on planet Earth, and that's all you know. That's all they ever do. Okay, cool. Like you do IBJJF gi. Cool. That's your thing. That, right, that's, that's your thing. You have. Right, cool. I, I have no beef with that. My goal is always to be I want to be able to transfer between rule sets flaw like not flawlessly, but like, you know, my losses in like Sambo, for example, I you know, I did a one Sambo tournament in twenty eighteen. I did several you know, and I've been kind of doing, you know, multiple a year ever since. My only losses in Sambo are to some guy in Belarus who, you know, I hate to be the guy who's like he ended up winning my division, but he actually did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, my friend Ben, who got me into Sambo, who is a BJJ black belt, a judo black belt, a master of sport in Sambo, who medaled at Worlds that year, um, American combat jiu-jitsu black belt, and a master combatives instructor in the Army. Jeez. Yeah, he's a dan- There's a Fit reason they resume. call him Grizzly. Dog. Right. Like, and... He, one of his students who is a pro fighter and much younger than me and a, just a freak athlete. Those are my losses in Sambo. Wow. Okay. Like I'm two and two on fight <clears> to wins. <throat> my two losses in fight to win judo are to a guy who was on the Brazilian national team and a BJJ black belt from Brazil. And a guy who had been training judo for like 20 years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and one nationals multiple times, and I'm like, yeah, he's good. I I, I could take that. I could take that. Yeah, I, like, yeah you know. And, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I and again, like, I if you if you're happy with like, I just like to do you know gi jitsu, or I just like to do no gi, or I just like to do sambo or judo. Cool. Like, especially as an older guy, like I'm gonna be 45 next month. You know, I. I'm, you know, I view this as kind of like my side hustle. You know what I mean? Like I, I have a career, I have all these other things, 
But, you know, if you're a, you know, 35 year old blue belt with a, you know, a family and a career, like you're doing this for fun. And if that's where you have the most fun, dude, cool. But like, right. You, you know, get out your comfort zone a little bit, have some fun with it. And that's where I, and like, you know, that at first it's kind of like, oh shit, oh shit. But it's like a roller coaster. It's real scary at the beginning. By the end of it, you're having a blast. <laughs> oh yeah. Like we, um, <clears throat> we've been having this conversation a lot lately uh, because I've been uh, doing open mats. I just, I, I, I prefer no gi and doing, you know, doing open mats. Cause you know, we're, you know, we're gi, to, you know, we train gi a lot. So yep. those little moments where I do get to train no gi, I'm enjoying it so much, you know? So my, uh, our other brown belt, he's like, you know, he's like gi, 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 like, you know, gi to the end. And I'm like, I love gi, don't get me wrong, but I enjoy, I'm having a little bit more fun with no gi. Yep. And they're like, you know, why? I was like, because it's, I don't have to, I don't have to burn my arms out. Because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm using like, no, the, grabbing the wrist, the back of the arm, the neck, and stuff like that. So that way, when I do put on the gi, nothing changes. Yep. Like I can still work them same grips, and I can be able to. You know, my arms will last a whole lot longer because right. I'm not fighting cloth and holding like this the whole time and burning my arms out. So, well, it's, it, you to me is like one can't exist without the other. Agree. Is as much and, as people want to make it seem like two different entities. Like no, they're you they they exist on the same coin well here's what i say and mm-hmm. like I, this this drives me nuts like i've lost to some really good gi guys and i'm like all right go against me no gi i don't do no gi so if you take off your magic pajamas you lose your powers right right or i'll have guys who you know they're no gi guys no beat me no gi and i'm like do a gi match with me no i don't like that so you again like it's like if if you can't compete in a division because you're not allowed to heel hook somebody. If that one submission, that one submission is gone and your game is trash after that, right. then your game was probably trash to begin with. Like beforehand. I'll right. Be, and like, I will admit the reason why I'm not as good. Nogi is because I am way better standing when you have a handle for me to grab onto. Like my judo mm-hmm. is better than my wrestling. Okay. And my my front headlock game is way better in a gi because I've got all these really sneaky little lapel chokes I love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, okay. And like, but the thing is, I don't care because my whole point is I'm like, well, I suck at no gi, so I'm gonna train a lot of no gi to get better at no gi. And exactly. I want to be better at it because you're getting like I remember when Gordon Ryan went on Joe Rogan's podcast and he said the gi is mm-hmm. dead. I was um, dating somebody at the time who also did jujitsu and she got really mad and she's like, Oh my God, with all these lapel guards and da, 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 da. and I'm like, well, that's why the gi is dead. And she mm-hmm. got really quiet and really kind of mad at me. And I said, look, I said, when you watch like lapel guard flows on Instagram, they're gorgeous. Like, wow, that's really cool. That's slick. Let me see you pull that bullshit off in high level competition. I'll wait. You watch Black Belt Worlds, like I call it Princess Bride Jiu Jitsu. Like, you know, in the movie Princess Bride, like, I see you're using Capafeo. Is that because of the rocky terrain? Like, you know what I'm doing. I know what you're doing. And it's just, we're going to stall the fuck out for the advantage. 
The only time you ever see an exciting match is when somebody goes like does something where it's either it goes really well for them or it doesn't. It goes but really that's bad, where the excitement yep. happens. And if not, it's just mm-hmm. two dudes pulling on each other's clothes. Yeah. And I can't stand that. That's like as much as I loved the gi, it's one of the reasons why I'm actually training more no gi right now, too, is I'm sick and tired of some dude just sitting there and holding on to me in a weird way. Like, yeah, yeah, I should be able to break it. But like when you're winning by advantage and you're popping up and beating your chest, I'm like, you basically just stalled out an entire match. That's not fun. Like, right. And I get the purpose of competition is to win, but if that's your only avenue, dude, like, come on, man. Like, especially as we're old, like, look, if there's money on the line, I'll stall out for some money. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I will I'm transition going, all right, day. <laughs> but come on, man, like work on it. Like in that's the thing. It's like, and then if you look at all the innovations around Nogi, it's around leg locks, it's around passing, it's around darst chokes, it's around ways to progress and finish the match. And I think mm-hmm. that is where if we you know i i i make memes all the time making fun of guard pulling and a lot of people get kind of salty at me for it i'm like it's my brand i'm the judo guy how am i gonna sit Mm. there and act like that's the thing and i mean this is gonna sound a little old school but i really don't care like you know, I know a jiu-jitsu match is a match. It's not a fight. Like, you know, the closest thing to a fight, like a fight fight is MMA and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Starting a fight by sitting to your butt just is not a strong move in my book. Again, I know I'm not, I, I know I'm wrong, I, whatever you want to call it, blah, blah, blah. But let's face it. Look, one of the worst losses I had was in overtime where my, it was in 2018. I got caught in a footlock while I was going for a footlock. And my ankle is still a little swollen from that. And that was in 2018. Oh, wow. Now, but the one picture from that match that keeps getting recirculated is of me hitting a drop knee on the guy and his head bouncing off the mat. And he popped right back up. Like, I didn't even get takedown points for it. Like, again, like, more power to him. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that one mm-hmm. pick is what you know it's like big throws big finishes that's what people want to see you want like anytime you see highlights of something like even like the guys who you know who get mad at me for talking about takedowns when they see a pretty throw you can see it in their face they're like ooh, and i'm like oh yeah again. oh yeah you know like it's got to be a part of it if you want it to be it's like, that like it's that it's that intensity mm-hmm like you, like you don't see, yeah, you don't see a lot of, you know, jujitsu matches where people are excited for like the whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. they waiting for the big throws, they waiting for the crazy submissions and whatnot. But yeah. well, that's why judo and sambo are Olympic sports. I mean, it's it's more high amplitude in that regard. And frankly, uh-huh. like I don't know if I really want jujitsu to be an Olympic sport. I think. <sighs> there's so many effed up federations and ruling bodies and rule sets. And I just, and like, you know, it's like when people try to add in different belts to the belt progression, 
mm-hmm. I don't like it. And again, right. I know there's certain things I can sound like an old man, get off my lawn and grab my beard, blah, blah, blah. But I, my instructor is, just got his seventh. Joe came last year to give Ruben his seventh. And Ruben and Joe both originally got their belts. Uh, Jim Warrior, by the way, for, I know you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they both, <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah. They both originally got their black belts from one of Carlos's senior's oldest sons. Mm-hmm. And like, it literally goes like Carlos Sr. I'm not going to do the guy the pleasure of saying his name because it wasn't all, you know, there was a lot of bad things that happened between Joe and him and Ruben and him. And then me, you know, Ruben, me. And there's, when you, when you talk about all these things in jujitsu and you, and you, you, you know, with the, with the, the limited number of belts, the thing that I love is your blue belt was different from my blue belt, which is different from my son's blue belt, which is different. And that's how it's supposed to be. The people get caught up on like, well, this is what a blue belt is. This is what a purple belt is. And I'm like, yes and no. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, we call her godmother, um, Betty Broadhurst. She owns Roll Forever. And a couple of years ago, like even like, Rogan reposted this. She got her black belt on the podium at Masters Worlds. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. You know, Betty's a badass. Like, if you're a female in your 60s and you just got your black belt, you're a badass. Like, period, bottom line, end of story. I love that woman, right? That being said, like, I'm sure there's a lot of 20-something-year-old blue belts that would probably have a you know a good time rolling with her you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because they're just younger they're athletic blah 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 but that doesn't take away from her black belt no it doesn't and i think that's the issue it's like when i remember when i got my blue belt and i was talking Mm -hmm. to ruben one day and he goes and i said because like in judo you have to belt test and i hate belt testing and we were talking about that because Ruben is also a judo black belt, as is Joe Moira. And he goes, look, Bruno, there's three ways to get belt. And this is how I believe this. First of all, there's only five belts. You know, there's white, blue, purple, brown, black. You know, you get a white belt when you walk in the door. You get a black belt. You know, once you get a black belt, everything past black belt comes from a federation. So mm-hmm. all you've got is purple, brown, you know, blue, purple, brown, black. Right. And he goes. So there's testing. I know you know how to do a Kimura. You can yeah. show me on somebody who's not I don't care. Mm-hmm. Let me see how you do in class. Let me see how you do when you compete. That matters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see your point. He goes, there's like surprise slash on the podium. He goes, man, you get your belt on the podium at Worlds? That's a big deal. That's impressive. I agree. You get your you get your belt on the podium at the local Naga. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then, or like you know, like you randomly show up on a Monday and you get a belt. And he goes, "It's cool, right?" And he goes, "But here's why we do what we do because we're having belt promotions uh, for our team on Sunday, and we okay. always have it. It's not a seminar. It's not, it's just." It's all about just the people who are getting promoted from all the schools, right? 
Oh, we're, wow. all around, we're around North Carolina, right? So there's okay. there's like five or six schools, like North Carolina, Virginia. And he goes, look, man, he goes, you earned that belt. You earned it. Like you've put in the time, you've done the work. Your instructor has said you have earned the opportunity to put this around your waist. He's like, man, celebrate. Let's have a party. Like have your friends, have your family, your teammates, man. Let's do be proud of what you did. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember when I got my black belt, um, January, 2020. So not only did I get my black belt, but you know, Ruben is very old school and you know, IBJJF, you can be 16 and get a blue belt. Well, it used to be 18. So Ruben was like, man, if you're not in the adult division, you don't get black belt. I mean, a blue belt, pardon me. Mm-hmm. So, my son, who was like 115 pounds, I started sticking him in adult divisions. Mm-hmm. Like at 15, I'm like, "You want a blue belt, dude? Gotta, gotta, I don't make the rules." Do it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and he and look, it was white belt division, but I'm like, most of the guys are like 135 pounds. They've got like 20 pounds of grown man on a 15 year old. You know what right. I mean? And he was doing well. And it's the only belt promotion I ever did where my instructor actually really grilled me. Ruben grilled the fuck out of me because it was my son. And mm-hmm. I had to send him footage of a match where my son wasn't supposed to compete. We were at a tournament for Ranger Up. And there was a 140-pound blue belt from a pretty good school in the Raleigh area. And he didn't have a match. And I look over at my son. He was coming off an injury. Wrestling season was starting, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yo, dude, gee's in the car, right? Yeah, I'm like, I throw him the keys. I'm like, go get your gee. He comes running back, has to stop by the Toro BJJ booth to borrow a pair of pants, and I ended up buying him the gi because dumbass had forgotten his pants. <laughs> and again, was just sitting there working the tables and beats this guy like 11 to 2. And I'm like, yep, nice. that was the clincher. You're a blue belt now. And right. uh, I got to tie his blue belt on uh, – same day I got my black, which was that's awesome. Yep, that's awesome. A great day. Oh yeah, like my daughter, uh, she just started training a few months ago. So okay, you know it's it's been it's been like such a surreal feeling of seeing like your kid like grow up in the sport that you fell in love with, yep. and and it wasn't even like um, I forced her into it. Like, you know, she would, you know, there have been days where she would come to me with, you know, come with me to class. So she'll sit on the side, she'll watch and everything. And then, you know, we picked up, you know, kids class again, you know, because of COVID and everything else. So she's been, you know, she's been with it ever since. And she's more eager to go to class than I am. So it was like, try not to like jump ahead. But I'm like, oh man, if she sticks with this for, you know, X, Y, Z, this is this and this and that. But yeah, man, it's 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 been awesome to see her grow as a as an individual because it you know it helped her with her self esteem and she's like you know a lot more confident now and mm-hmm. now she's like you know she saw she saw me get my brown belt nice uh was she nope she wasn't there when I got my belt but she was there when she got when I got my brown belt uh my wife just got her fourth stripe on her white belt so you know nice. she'll be testing, she'll be you know testing for blue and now my my daughter's just like when i'm gonna get my next belt i was like you gotta don't don't chase belts 
Like nope. we do not chase belts. Like we do not <laughs> chase belts. We do not chase stripes. You come to class, you work your ass off, and you know that's all you worry about. Well, and the thing is too with like little kids, like <clears> my son, like I said, my son. Like if it wasn't for my son, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. Like that's just mm-hmm. facts. I doubt I would have found this on my own. Maybe I would have, but doubtful. Um, right. But like from the time, and I say this all the time, and it's not hyperbole. And from the time he was five to the time he was twelve, the kid literally had one winning competition, two if you counted DQ. And a lot of times it was because he was smaller or whatever, and like da da da. And I never like the only I this has always been my thing as a coach, like, and to me as a competitor, like there's times where you're just gonna get your ass whooped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that person is, oh, just, yeah. you know, physically better than you, mentally better than you, whatever it is. But you got to try. Like as long as you don't quit, mm-hmm. it don't matter. And right. like the only time I ever got on him is if he quit in a match. If he lost, he lost. And like the only questions I ever asked him are like, are you sure you want to go? Are you sure you want to compete? Are you having fun? You know, these types of things. And mm-hmm. he's actually living in Columbia right now with a friend of mine. And like helping run his kids program and do this and that and just trying to figure it out. You know, he's 19 now and he's just that, you know, trying to be a jiu-jitsu bum for a little while, which I, I kind of dig. And I'm like, good for you, man. Don't get, do you it. know, don't get, don't, don't get anybody pregnant and don't get, and uh, don't rack up debt and you'll have a good life. <laughs> right. <laughs> but keep it on the mats. Hey man, you know, but I think it, it's a, the thing is, so, you know, there's a lot of really beautiful things about our sport. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, one, it's something you can share with friends and family. Like, look, not everybody's going to be into it. Like, my ex-wife wasn't into it. I dated a couple of girls who were in the jiu-jitsu community already. I've had some people I've dated, you know, post-divorce that were like, yeah, you're never going to catch me on a mat with you. And I'm like, that's cool. No. Like, I get it. Like, right. look, it's my thing. Like, I, I get it, right? But, you know, you make a lot of friends, you make a lot of family. And then, like, you know, on top of it, like, I, I have met, like, you know, Joe Moira. Like, I, Joe loves, like, I, I love Joe. Joe loves me. Like, I, every time I see Joe, it's a big smile and a big hug. And, you know, I, 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 I love being around Joe. Um, I've... You know, I have like, you know how everybody had like loves to tell those stories like, dude, I saw that band with like three other people in the audience and two of them with the band's girlfriend. I have Gordon Ryan stories like that. You know what I mean? Like I you know, there like there are these things that like I, I had this like I you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about a year ago and we were talking about just life and I'm like, you know, if you had told me that June day in 2009, hey man, here's the deal. You're gonna start doing this thing tomorrow and you're gonna lose like a hundred pounds. You're going to get two black belts. You're gonna travel the world. You're gonna sell videos on BJJ Fanatics, which you know wasn't a thing back then. You're gonna do all this stuff. And you're gonna, you know, you're gonna change your life in a lot of ways. I'd have laughed in your face. Like, man, what? Yeah, like, come on. Oh, come okay. on. Come Dude, on. I'm, really? I, you know, look, I'm making hundreds and hundreds of dollars doing it in competition, but like, I am technically a pro athlete at 45, and I'm dying laughing about it. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, 
I mean, I technically am. Okay. Mm-hmm. I laugh about it because I'm like, I mean, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's funny to say, but it's the truth. And I, you know, I, I, I sit there and I'm joking. Like I, I've put out some technique videos. I make some funny memes and I get followers like Rose Nama Eunice. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to question it. Right? I like Thug Rose. She's sweet. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my girl right there, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, me, um, I think this was around Christmas time. Uh, you know, me and my wife was, uh, on our way home and, you know, we were just, just, you know, just talking about like how the year has been. And, 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 you know, I'm like, man, it's just been wild. Like, you know, started the podcast. Um, I've, I've recorded 42 episodes for the first, for the first season. Right. Thank you. So it's like, you know, doing that, you know, getting my brown belt and then, you know, you know, these conversations, cause I work with my instructor. So, you yep. know, we're always talking about jujitsu. We're always talking about the future of the school. We always talk about whatever jujitsu related. And just like you said, like if somebody would have came to you, you know, came to me six years ago and ran off that list of, you know, jujitsu related stuff. I'm like, yeah, who, who to go do what? Yeah. No, Wait. no. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you a funny story. So I go to Nogi Pans in 2021. Uh-huh. And I'm boosted. I got eight dudes in my bracket. I'm like, hell yeah. And I make it to the finals. Not because I'm good. Because my entire half of the bracket no-shows. Literally, of me and three other guys, those three guys did not show up. And I'm like, you dirty bitches. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and I meet Rowan. I'm going to butcher his last name. Carcianau. Zhukao is his nickname in the finals. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know who that is. And I didn't know who it was. And then, well, I'll put it this way. I'll give you the low light of the match where he was locking up a body triangle on me and Flat Turtle as we were rolling out of bounds. And they reset us in the middle of the ring with the body triangle with me and Flat Turtle. Ah. Um, I didn't know who he was. And I was walking over like afterwards to a friend of mine. Two of my friends are sitting there. One is named Sean Applegate. He is the head instructor at 10th Planet Atlanta and a really good dude. And another guy named CJ Murdoch, who is, you know, has been in the North Carolina area for a long time, but actually lives out in Mount Vernon now and is training with uh, Pedigo. Mm-hmm. And I've known these guys for quite a while. <clears throat> um, and Sean looks at me because Jukau trains and, you know, has a gym in Atlanta. And he goes, man, Vernon, you got Jukau in the finals? And CJ put his hand on my shoulder and goes, that man gave me one of the worst beatings I have ever gotten in my life. Now, I've just gotten the shit kicked out of me and I want more matches. So they're calling us at the podium. And so I go looking for him. And I see him sitting there like by the bullpen. I'm like, hey, bro, they need us to the podium. And he looks at my rash guard and I had on my team who bow rash guard. And he stopped me and he goes, man, you who bone guy? And I go, yeah. And he hugged me. And I didn't say this out loud because I didn't want to get my ass kicked again. But I was like, yo, bro, I ain't comfortable with that after the way you just treated me. <laughs> <laughs> and he hugged me and he goes, man, when I first come to the U.S., Rubens was such a good friend to me. He took such good care of me. Not only do you have a really good like 
professor for jiu-jitsu, but he's a really good human. I'm like, well, thank you. And then I Googled him and I found his Wikipedia page. So, you know the movie Warrior with Tom Hardy? Yeah. The MMA movie. Okay. So, you know how uh-huh. his brother in the movie is like a last-minute replacement in that tournament? Yeah. Okay. So, you remember like the big, like buff, black Brazilian dude he replaces who like hurts his knee on the run? Yeah. Yeah. That's who I went against. Yeah. One eighty. Dude, I just trial. watched that movie like two weeks ago. <laughs> right. He won eighty cc trials in two thousand three in Brazil. I started training in two thousand nine. Um, his Jeez, second pro, man. he fought in the UFC. By the way, put Mark Munoz to sleep. And um, his second pro fight was against Anderson Silva. And that's what I'm going against as this kind of like kind of hobbyist dude it's like la 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 yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> but it's it's that's weird because because when i did um tap uh tap cancer out you know looking at the bracket looking at the bracket and it's saying like 10 it was like 10 12 people in my bracket and i'm hype i'm like first tournament we got this many people. I don't care what happens. I'm ready to go. I'm about to, you know, at least get three three matches in. Yep. Get there. Me and only one guy, other guy shows up in our division. Bruh. Hey, like I'm actually I'm a brand ambassador for Tap Cancer Out. I love those people. They're great. Yeah, and, they're they're awesome. They're great. And like it's like, man, I hate that shit. Like I like I, I got a couple more matches in that day. Like I won my first match in um in the absolute, I uh, I think it was a fight sports guy with a toehold. And then I go against this dude, and he's didn't know this at the time either. He was like the number one guy for my age group in the IBJJF because he just goes to every IBJJF tournament, and he's like 6'5". And I didn't, all, I didn't realize he was also a judo guy. And he kept trying these little things, and he couldn't get me, and I couldn't get him. And then I really stupidly went for a no-gi drop me and kind of gave myself a concussion bouncing my head off the mat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't that bad, no. but it was bad. And I was definitely a little dazed, and I was like, shit. Oh, well. Fun match. <laughs> you know, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it, was, it, was a good, it was a good time. Like, the guy I went against, big guy, six-something, solid muscle, and I'm like, come on, man. This is going to be like, this is my first experience at a tournament. But kind of find out he used to play professional. I think he, they say he was either in the NFL or he played something close to the NFL. Right. Strong guy. Been competing right. since, he's, I, I think he's been competing for like the last eight years or something like that. So I'm oh, like, I, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah, fine. I've, dude, I've, I've had a, co- I remember like I was at this one Naga. It might've been my first, it was, it was my first Naga. And the no-gi bracket is me, a training partner, and some dude named Adrian Henderson. I'm like, some dude named Adrian, whatever. This giant, like, 6'5", boom, 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 comes running over. Four-time state champion wrestler in South Carolina, fought in Bellator. And a college football player. And I was like, damn, he's my boy now. We're actually (laughs) friends now, but it was like – Bruh. <laughs> don't, you, don't you love it, man? Every single time, man. It's like, cause, cause that was the thing. Um, you know, I'm walking around. It's you know, this at this time the kids were you know all competing. So right. 
any of the dolls were just street clothes. Yep. So, you know, I'm looking around to see, like, okay, who could, you know, maybe this guy, maybe that guy, maybe that guy. The biggest guy in the room mm-hmm. takes off his take off his jacket, grabs his belt, and it's purple. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's I, that. I gotta go look at. Dude, like, there's like, it's always like, it's just like, hi. Hell, I got a, I had a, a back when I was a blue belt. I was at this tournament and I, you know, again, I was still an ultra heavy back then. Mm-hmm. And I get this dude who is like 6'6, 350 pounds. Mm. And I take him down, I pass his guard, he ends up in turtle, and I go for like the Gi Peruvian, but I don't get the leg over the head. And he pushes me off and he gets into my guard. He hadn't even passed my guard yet. And he puts all of his weight into my stomach. And I'd been on the road that week for work and I'd gotten food poisoning. And I kind of blacked out and just tapped. Uh And I felt really, really bad about that until I beat him in Nogi. (laughs) I was like, everybody's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, that was just, I wasn't expecting that. I I, I'm not gonna let that slide. I'm like, I, I I'm gonna keep competing, and I took second in my division, and then I I won my Nogi division, but I was mad. I was like, damn it. Uh. All right, so we're gonna. So I I usually ask this question for all my uh, for everyone who's like either met Joe Moera, trainer to Joe Moera. It's just a funny Brazilian thing. So it's like, how long did it take for you to like to speak Joe? I it. I got it kind of quick because I'd been speaking Hubao for years. Okay. Like, so I, you know, my friend John and I helped him out a lot. And we actually had to help him out a lot more because in 2017, he had a massive stroke. And to give you an idea of what type of human Joe is, so he had the stroke in September. And we found out about it. And of course, you know, the, the messed up part is, like I said, my friend John and I were the one, like I was a purple belt, John was a brown belt. And we have like black belts in our system, but we were the only ones who had really come up underneath professor in his gym type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody's looking to us and we're like, all right, we're going to figure this out. Cause we didn't know what was going to happen with the room was in the hospital for like a month or two. Mm-hmm. And Joe messages us like, right. As he found out and he goes, man, here's when I'm available. If you can pay for my ticket, I would appreciate it. But I'm coming, we're doing a massive seminar and I don't want a single freaking dime. Everything goes to professor. Nice. Okay. And John and I paid for his plane ticket and everything else. And so I've, I've known Joe, like I, Joe, Joe is a little tougher to understand sometimes. Like I, I will fully admit, but like, I, I, I've, I'm kind of bred for this because not only, you know, did I come up under my instructor who like, when we'd go to like meetings, like I, cause like I lived in, you know, John lived a little further away. So I was usually the one driving Ruben. Mm-hmm. And so like we'd leave and I get home and then I start getting text messages. When professor said like, when we were about talking about this, what did professor mean? Because nobody could fully understand it, but nobody wanted to ask the question. Uh-huh. And then my wrestling coach in high school was Russian. And so, and like, you know, like, only like moved to the US like a few years before. So like I'm good at kind of picking out the accent. So I'm yeah I, I, I understand Joe a little bit better. Every now and again I have to ask questions, but Joe and I really became friends. He was so I don't know if you know about the instructor course he teaches in California. You know, with 
Marco Huas. Marco Huas, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been to that, but he taught a version of that in North Carolina with he just ran all three parts. Oh, wow. And I was partnered with my friend Ben, you know, the one I was telling you about who got me into Sambo. Mm-hmm. So Ben is definitely better at judo than I am, but I have technically been a judo black belt longer than Ben has. Okay. And Joe doesn't, I mean, Joe knows me. He knows, you know, cause I've helped set up seminars. I've talked with Joe a lot, but like Joe doesn't know me, know me like that at this point. Right. Like it's probably like my fourth time meeting him in person. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so we're doing like the kind of stand up portion of it where a lot of it is judo based because Joe is a judo guy and spent a few years at the Kodokan in Japan and everything else. And mm-hmm. Joe is basically explaining Ben how to, to Ben, how to teach me judo. And Ben and I, because he knows Ben is also under Joe, but through somebody else, through okay. a guy named Kai out in Hawaii. And Ben kind of looks at Joe kind of sheepishly, and I don't know what to say either. And he goes, hey, Joe, um, Vern's actually also a judo black belt and technically been one longer than I have. And he goes, oh, my bad. And just kind of walked off. <laughs> just walked off. <laughs> Uh, yep. Uh, it's just a, look, I one of the one of the few times I've seen God in my life. Um, thank God I was doing a lot of yoga at the time. <laughs> I started getting real heavy into yoga in 2021, and actually pushed my shoulder surgery out about a year. And um, he was teaching a seminar at my instructor's gym, and he was teaching it off what he calls his four by four guard. It's kind of like side close guard, like you mm-hmm. know where you're more on yep. your hip, right? And somebody started asking some questions about like, well, how would you pass this? And I don't know if you know about a lot of the legend of Joe's guard passing and how he used to break people's ribs with guard pass. Exactly. So my friend John is his uke for this seminar while he's showing the four by four. John has a steel rod in his back. So Joe says, Vardo, come here, come here, come here. And Joe does one of those guard passes. To uh, and I've, been doing like a, I've been doing yoga like three times a week for like two months at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks down at me at one point and I'm like folding up like a goddamn pretzel. And he's got all of his weight on me. He's like, you okay down there? And I'm like, doing good, Joe. Appreciate it. <laughs> and Joe was going light, by the way. <laughs> oh, I, <Yeah. laughs> Master Joe was going light, by the way, just for everyone to listen to. But yeah. <laughs> And this is the thing where it's like everybody talks about like everybody wants that new hotness. They want that new hotness. Like, oh, so and so just put out this video on this weird fucked up guard and blah blah blah. First of all, a lot of the, like there's some old school guys who are very set in their ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joe is not one of them. He really isn't. Like the, the seminar he did for my instructor after the stroke in 2018. He's doing his normal things. And if you don't know Joe, he has what he calls his principles, like principles on your back, principles on top. Top And so he's talking about bottom principles. Mm -hmm. You know, here, you're here, you know, I have my line of defense, my one, my two, you do this. And then here's heel hoop. Here's twister. And I'm like, did the old guy in the red and white belt with a really thick Brazilian accent just say heel hook? Did he just say twister? Like, hold up. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And the funniest thing is, like, I just that was like the day I got my brown belt. 
And like all of his upper belts, he'd be sitting there and he was just talking about his principles and how he shrimped and how he moved. And I was actually listening to your podcast with Nestor Mendez. And uh, I love Nestor. Nestor's a funny dude. And um, I, uh, you know, he was talking about how, you know, like you were talking about a private you got with Joe and talking about like the circle snake and this and that. And it, yeah, like you watch that as an upper belt through that eye and you're like, I don't know shit. But all the yeah. white belts and blue belts are like, he said heel hook, he said heel hook. And we're like, don't worry about that stuff. That's there. Right. No, no, no. Watch that. Huh? Like, he was teaching this other seminar. Ben was my 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 partner. And he was teaching, like, the cross-collar choke. And then, like, where you pull and you kind of reach over and grab the scruff. Right? Yep. Or you put the thumb in. Ben is a – I remember the first time I threw Ben. And he still beat me in the match. But I was just do, doing backflips. Because I was like, there's no way that should have happened, but I got him anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And Ben is not an easy guy to make tap. He's just not. He's got nerve damage from, you know, holding off on a leg lock, like from in a tournament, like type of thing. Like he's Ben's Jeez. tough dude. Right. And so we're doing the scruff choke. Mm-hmm. And as soon as like I put my hand like this, he tapped. And I was like, yo, bro, why are you tapping early? And he goes, trust me, I wasn't tapping early. I was like, like Joe will show you stuff that you think you know, and I'm like I'm a black belt, and then like I sit there and I'm like I don't know shit. <laughs> like I've I've seen <clears throat> so a couple of Joe stories with me. The first time I met Joe, I was a two stripe white belt, and my instructor was getting his black belt. Nice. So it was literally like you know I've heard about Joe from UFC and everything else. And obviously from my instructor. So when I finally met him, it was just like, dude, like he's standing right here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, we, we do the, you know, he does his test black, you know, he does a seminar and I think he came back uh, this time with uh grandmaster Fra- uh, Francisco Mansoor. Yep. <clears throat> and that was another culture shock. And you know you meet you you see I talked about this on the on the uh, episode before you see Mon you know Grandmaster Monsoor old guy hunched over, but man when he put on that that damn gi, he's a totally different person. He's he's mm-hmm. like it's like night and day. But um, Joe came uh, Master Joe came down and he taught um something I think it was something from four by four, and you know we're working it we're working it working it, and then fast forward he came back again and you know we got new guys so we're then we're explaining them like okay make sure you're on this you know just make sure you pay close attention like you know this is your first time hearing joe we've heard joe about four five ten times at this point mm-hmm. so we can we 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 understand the dialect and you know he's going over four by four so me and another uh training partner we're like we're kind of like okay we, we know what he's about to do and then he does something different same position just a small little tweak and we're like this was there the whole time like we're like our minds are blown just like the new white belts has just started two weeks ago mm-hmm. we're we're all sitting there looking like are you serious but like yeah joe's game just evolves like we every we get videos almost weekly of joe taking something that he done drilled in us with his principles and rules and snakes and everything else and he adds something or he finds something new to make it that more simpler and more, you know, effective. We're like, 
all right, so now we got to learn this before he comes back out because he's going to, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to include this in some form of way. So it's like, yeah, man, it's hard to keep up with that guy, <laughs> you know? Well, but that's the beautiful thing about it. And, like, yeah. he is, you know, Joe has helped me with a ton of things. Professor Ruben, man, like, it, like I remember one of my, my – I actually, I was at his gym last week, and I, I, was, te- I was teaching for him. And, you know, he's got this old-school smash pass, which is always the first thing, like, one of the first things he would always show you. Mm-hmm. And – there, there, it became kind of a running joke. But what he would do is he would, you know, you, you'd, be, you'd be like one of your first days and, you know, you're doing the pass. And of course, you don't want to be too heavy on your partner because you don't know you're not, you know, you think you're supposed to be nice and blah, blah, blah. And it was always just a really slick little thing he'd do. He'd be like, you know, you do that okay, but you don't put enough pressure. Here, mm-hmm. lay down. Let me show you. Let me show you. And you'd watch somebody's eyes pop out of their head. It's like, see, more pressure. More pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Follow your principles. Oh, by the time like you're a blue belt and you've seen Ruben do this a bunch, you're like, right, like here it goes. Here it goes. Here goes. Watch, watch, watch his face. Watch his soul leave his eyes. Oh yeah, that growl, that grunt. Oh, but it's just, it's. I mean. There's so many of these guys out there that just, it's funny. It's like, you know, one of the bummers, like I, um, one of the gyms I train at is called Carolina Combat. Um, it's down the road from my house and it's like one I'll pop into. And it's a lot of MMA guys. Uh, Brian Battle from the UFC trains there and they're a highest in gym. So that's like mm-hmm. Gokor Chivichian, which I went to a seminar his last year, which was, again, like, it just, I, I don't know shit. Like, you know, you get around somebody like that. You're like, okay, I don't know anything. Cool and gene labelle and like i always wanted to train with judo gene like i always wanted to and gene passed last year that's like one thing like ah, i'm never gonna get to do that yeah. but i did get to train with gokor and it's like anytime <clears throat> i can be around somebody like that like mm-hmm. you can just and look i've like i said i've i've you know i've been to gordon ryan seminars ethan crawlinston nikki ryan um, I've trained at Cyborg's gym. I've trained, like, I've trained with a lot of really, really good guys. And every time I'm around them, I learn something. Yeah. And, you know, I like, I, I think that's the one thing a lot of people miss is like, you have to, I think one of the best ways to approach anything in life, but especially like martial arts is like what Bruce Lee kind of laid out near the end, which is the Jeet Kune Do concept of just take what is necessary, discard what isn't, but it doesn't mean you don't learn it. It's more just like, okay, this doesn't serve me now, but there's things that like, I remember doing as a white belt that I, I couldn't even remember. I couldn't probably tell you how to do right now because I haven't touched them in so long. And there's things yeah. that I remember learning as a white belt where I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do that, that I do all the time now. So it's just, it's how that game plays. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And that's the thing about like, this sport like you can learn from anywhere and there's so yeah. many different people out there and there's like the problem is so many people get tunnel vision and i'm like why would you have tunnel vision when there's like so many resources available to you so yeah yeah and um and that's you know that's something that we kind of like um we distill in our uh in our students and you know we, t- we talk about this all the time you know as a white belt uh, you you know you you get millions and millions and of of techniques you know mm-hmm. and you want to learn them all 
you want to learn every single variation that you that you can possibly think of. Then that list, as you go up in that rank, it just dwindles. It just cuts. Mm-hmm. It cuts down. So you get to like right now, you know, as a as a brown belt. Yeah, I can show, you know, a lot of techniques just from what I've seen, what I've learned. Mm-hmm. But if no, I got my little my little faithful few that I, I go to and shuffle around every now and then and it works. So, yep. you know, well, <laughs> here here's what I tell everybody. This is the way I, I believe jiu-jitsu should be. Mm-hmm. White, white to blue and blue to purple is essentially this. Show up, shut up, do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Like you by the time you're nearing the end of your blue belt you you look everybody's gym has like different drills and different this and different that like you should have a good idea of what your gym's culture is and if your instructor sticks somebody with you that's new you should be able to a take care of them Mm -hmm. teach them what you know we're going over and also be able to get something out of it yourself right okay Purple belt, like I feel like I kind of got kicked out of the nest at purple belt. And I mean, I kind of literally did because I moved to Charlotte and I was away from my instructor. Mm-hmm. But purple belt was a lot of just figuring out who I am and what my game is. Yeah. Brown belt, like I was only a brown belt for a couple of years, but brown belt was I'm polishing that game. And then walking into black belt, I'm like, I might as well just put a white belt on again because that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Yeah. Because, you know, I, you know, um, as, as, as I'm not trying to like, you know, chase the belt, but you know, we're thinking like, you know, next year potential test for black belt, you know, and you know, one of our brown belts, he tests for black belt this year. And just the thought about that is, is like, it's not even like, you know, I've had conversations before that's like, man, you so close to black belt. Like, what are you thinking? Like, what do you think about when you hear that? Fuck, I got to start doing jujitsu. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the only thing I get. That's the only thing I could, I I see now because you know all the people that I've I've talked to from you know all different ranks, high rank black belts. You know, talking to Master Joe, um, you know, talk to my instructor, and you just always hear that one thing, learning. Yep. And it's like, man, you're a black belt. You've been doing this for ten plus years at this point. You're telling me you're still learning? Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's what I'm going to be doing at Black Belt. I'm going to be learning mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu. You know, it's like... well, look, I, I mean, I'm, I'll tell you how I got my Black Belt. Mm-hmm. So it was November of 19, and my instructor had like randomly video, video chatted me over the weekend, and he was like, you know, belt promotions are coming up. Who you got? And I had my son, and I had this other guy who was up for a blue belt. And I was like, these are my, my guys. Grow me about my son, blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay, Vernon. He was like, you're a two-stripe. Well, so back that up just a little bit. We had had, like, at the beginning of the year, we had had belt promotions. And I I'd picked Ruben up from his house, and I would taken him to the gym. And he was sitting there talking to the guy who, you know, one of the guys who teaches at his gym, who was also a brown belt. And he goes, man, Jamie, you know, next year you're going to go black belt. You know, you've just got, like, your third or fourth stripe. You know, like, you're going to go black belt next year. And, you know, Vernon's like a two, three stripe black, you know, brown belt right now. And he probably next, you know, he probably go next year too. And I go, hey, professor, I don't have any stripes on my belt. And he puts two stripes on my belt, like in the lobby. And I was like, oh, shit. And so, right, yeah, flash forward to November. And, I, you know, I, we'd have a little video chat. And he's like, okay, he goes, you know, we got belt promotions. He's like, I'm not, you're not going to get your black this year, but next year you're going to get your black. It's like, cool. I'm gonna go try to win Masters Worlds of Brown Belt. Like I'm digging it. I'm I'm fine being a brown belt for another year. Yay me. 
Right. No, no rush. So, yeah. So like a week <laughs> later, it was like right before Thanksgiving and I was driving to the gym and I, I, I didn't pick my son up that day because he had wrestling. So that morning I, when I'd gone to work, I had posted this picture from like my Facebook memories, but I posted like I had just done it. And mm-hmm. I basically is the back from like 2017 where I screwed up trimming my beard and I had to shave my face completely because it was just awful. And so I posted it like I had just shaved my beard. And so like everybody's freaking out like, oh my God. So I go live at like five o'clock as I'm leaving my office and I'm like, uh, y'all were riding in the street. Women were getting mad at me. So I grew up back during my lunch. <laughs> I just grew up back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess he didn't see my life. You know, I like to be silly. And right. he video chats me and he goes, man, Vernon, don't you go look different today, poor. And I was like, nah, you know, I was just playing around with people. Da, da, da. He goes, okay, cool. And I'm like six, seven minutes from my gym. I'm about to mm-hmm. go teach a class. Verno, what belt size are you? I'm thinking he's buying belts for other people and somebody's my size, so he's just asking. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm like, I'm an A3 professor. Why? Okay, man. I talk with Sean. I talk with Johnny. Uh, January, you go black belt. Do what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> like, okay? Uh, like, what are we doing? Seriously? Yeah, man, you earned it, man. You've been doing really good, man. I'm proud of you, man. You ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really not, but all right, whatever you say. <laughs> Shit. And the next morning I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I started going to the gym every day at four because I'm like, I know I'm not going to have experience on my side anymore, so I damn sure better have strength and conditioning because shit, I'm yeah. walking into the land of monsters. Yes. <clears throat> and it was like when um when I was, yeah, when I was purple, I was, I was like fourth stripe and I was, it was another, another tournament coming up around October. So I was like, well, I'm going to try to take this tournament serious and, you know, I talked to my instructor and I was like, you know, you know, could you, you know, help me get ready for this tournament? I think it's like a month and some change. He's like, yeah, sure. So, you know, we're going over stuff and then, you know, we're, you know, I get to class and he's sitting in his office and he was like, uh, when is that tournament? I was like, it's October, whatever, whatever, whatever. He's like, oh, all right. He's like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, we got to take care of some stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he just stared at me. And he's like, yeah, we got to take care of some stuff. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I was like, okay, well, all right. <laughs> so I was like, so, you know, uh, after class, you know, I was talking, you know, driving home, talking to my wife. And I was like, uh, so apparently I'm, a, I'm, I'm testing the couple in, in a month or so, in a month of some change. So I got to get ready for that. So she's like, <laughs> really? I was like, yeah. I, yep. He just kind of told me that, you know, I'm testing for Brown in uh, the beginning of October. So, yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride. But before we end it, I got I got a lot of I got a lot of flack for this um, from people who listen to the other episodes. So I'm trying to get in the habit of asking everybody this. All right. What is so you know we already talked about jokes. That was like a special question for me. But everyone like you know we want want me to ask my guests like what is your top three dream roles? I mean I, you've trained with a lot of people. You yeah. wrote a lot of you know names that you know people have said. So but you know who who would be your top three? Man. I definitely want to, I'd love to roll with Hodger just to feel that helpless. Like 
I want to know what that feels like. I want to know, like, if, and, like, a guy like Hodger, um, I'd love, like, you know, roles, like, I'll tell you right now, and I've, I remember going on a podcast a year or two ago, actually making this call out. Um, I want Chael Sonnen in a geek. Uncle You're, Chael? I want Uncle Chael in a geek. I want Uncle Chael in a geek. I want Uncle Chael in a geek. Um, if you, you know, if I win and he gets mad, um, gladly go no gi with him. You know, if he beats me in no gi, we can go Sambo rules to, you know, for the tiebreaker. I don't give a rip. Um, but, and then another guy I'd actually like to roll with just because we have a very similar game and I'd like to feel it because he feels like the godfather of it is Eduardo Tellis. Cause like, I love turtle garden. Like I, mm-hmm. I play it like, I, some of my teammates will give me some flack, like some of my coaches where they're like, man, you do that a little too much. And some of it I will admit is like when I'm you know, not in the best of shape and I'm trying to catch my breath and blah, blah, blah. But I really like playing from turtle and I think I have a pretty good game from it. And I love watching Telus roll and I'd love to just feel what his game is like from there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I, it's something where I'm, I, I'd like, I, I, I want to improve. So you know, there's so many matchups out there where it's like, I've, I know that I'm going to bump into guys. Like, I know the guys who are in like my age group who I've looked up to and like almost had matches with and things like that. And I'm like, I bring it on. Like, I remember, so I got a buddy of mine in South Carolina who's been ducking me for years uh, named Brian Edwards. That's another match I want. Um, his, when he got his black belt, he goes to Masters Worlds, he wins his first match. By submission. Yeah, he's on top of the world. Next round, Salo Ibero. Yeah. Now, guys like that, that like to throw, um, I have, like, my version of drop knee slash fireman's carry is kind of funky. And a lot of people think, like, I, I had a match back in 21 where – against the guy named Rudy Bears, who's a BJJ black belt, a judo black belt, fought in the UFC in Bellator. And on the video, right before I throw him, you hear some lady in the audience go, don't let him pull guard. (laughs) Okay, I won't. Okay. (laughs) And I, I remember thinking about like Brian going against Salo. And I'm like, if I ever had a match with Salo, I think I can set my throw up and I think I can catch him with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a shit if he breaks my arm afterwards because he felt it was disrespectful. Um, when I die, there's going to be a little video, like a little like LED player on my, my tombstone. <laughs> oh, your tombstone that, with that throw. That has that as a loop. <laughs> and it's going to say, I was up to nothing on Salo Hibera. And I will personally make sure that that thing stay lit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can Dude, I, look, I, it's funny because like I, my, you know, I've, I've had this discussion with my kids about when I die. And I'm like, because like my son's like, man, you got all these geese and medals and shit. And I'm like, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's how my funeral goes. He goes, all right. I'm like, open mat, open bar. Hey. If you see somebody you don't like, you are obligated to throw hands. Um, Fight club. <laughs> yep. It's open casket. Here's why it's open casket. If there's a submission, you are sick and tired of me hitting on you in life. You can hit on me in death. <laughs> Here's your chance. <laughs> yep. Your I have chance. teabagged Kimura a lot of people. 
I'm dead. I don't care anymore. I look. I have this one little choke I hit when people turtle. It's kind of like a Peruvian necktie. It's called the Gerby choke, where like you use your your gi to choke them instead of theirs. Mm-hmm. And I like again, like everybody tries to hit that or that arm bar from Case Katami on me because that's kind of what I'm known for. And I'm like, I'm not. I I will not let you hit that on me. I will do everything in my power not to let that happen. So I'm dead. You can do it now. It don't matter. Go ahead, be my guest. And then rip it build, off. Build a little ship. Put all my geese, my medals, my belts, all that bullshit on it. Kick that bitch out into a river and set it on fire, Vikings funeral style. And hey. I'm done. Sounds That's like what a, I want. Sounds like a fantastic way to go out, man. You damn skipper. <laughs> but um, if you got any other questions for me, man. um, No, nah, if you don't mind if I make a couple little plugs. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that, man. You know, uh, if you got anything you want to shout out, your school or whatever you got coming up or yep. whatever you personally doing, man, the floor is all Well, yours. so um, I have a video available on BJJ Fanatics. It's called When Judo and Jiu-Jitsu Converge Part 1. It's all about um, Keisuke Tommy and North-South and how to get to them from side control and finish people from there. Okay. Um, I also work with uh, BJJJudo.com. They actually have, like, love their rash guards. Their shorts are really slick. They have some really cool stuff. And again, anybody who's going to cross like this, I'm a giant fan of. So that's just me. Because <laughs> I think one of the things, and I'm actually, I'm kind of writing it out right now and running some scripts in my head. Because like I had shoulder surgery last year. So that kind of put me on the shelf for a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, I really, like, I, I was debating when I did the thing with Fanatics if I wanted to do um, ground or standing to start. And I'm kind of glad, and like, Certain levels, I kind of wish I had gone standing, but I really, I have some stuff. Like, I think, like, if you put me into the competitive landscape of judo, I love judo, the martial art. I can't stand Mm -hmm. the sport. I just hate the rules. The rules drive me nuts. I'm not going to do very well. But, like, my judo for BJJ, I will put up against anybody. um, And I do really well in Sambo with it, too. And I am going to be looking to, you know, to create a lot more content in that regard that awesome. I'm going to be putting out, you know, hopefully over the next year or so. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how I want to structure it and a few things like that, because I've got a couple of different, like, I call them, like, positions. Like, you know, I have, like, kind of like the way I do my drop me and my fireman's, and then I have, like, kind of the standard versions of those techniques as well. And then I also have what I call a position I call hip connect, because I've always been the shorter guy, so I'm usually used to getting an underhook and mm-hmm. connecting my hip to theirs and, like, if my left hand is through, I have a ton of, you know, a ton of throws I use. If my right hand is through, I have a ton of throws I use from there. And they're actually different on both sides. So that type of thing. And just kind of go from there. Awesome, man. And I um, I can't wait to see what you come up with, man. And we'll definitely, uh, you know, link up and, you know, definitely plug that as much as we possibly can, you know. Appreciate get, that. You know, get that out there, man. It's like, you know, that's just what, you know, people in jujitsu do, man. So, yep. But uh, yeah, that is the uh, the end of today's uh, episode. I would like to thank Vernon one more time for coming on to the show and uh, blessing us all um, with his net wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Uh, I hope you guys learn from us, uh, learn from our our experience and tales. Please go and follow all our social media platforms uh, so you can stay up to date on what we're doing and uh, up to date on what the show is doing as well. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day.